I'm Jay Thompson, and in this episode, I'll be speaking to Michelle Elwood, who's Director for Student Education and Tutor at the University of Leeds. We'll be speaking about Michelle's reflections on COVID-19 and the impact on student education. So good morning, Michelle. Good morning. We are going to be chatting a bit about your view of COVID-19, how it's changed you um, personally and professionally. Um, and I think just to, to start off with that, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about your day-to-day role before COVID happened? So if we're going back to sort of February 2020, what a typical week for you would look like? Okay, so um, keeping in mind that I've, I'm um, a radiography lecturer, I'm part of the physician associate team, so I contribute to that programme as well. And um my role as director of student education. So I used to have a very varied week depending on which hat I was wearing. So majority of the time I was actually um, on campus based in the two key offices in the Worsley building, um, splitting my time between teaching, meetings um, and sort of general student education activities. Sure. Okay. So very much... Lots of people contact face to face. Yep. Meeting with your students a lot as well. Yeah. So I think it's it's jobs like this that are really one of the most affected by going into lockdown. So when the announcement came that um, that lockdown was happening and the universities were going to be closing, how how did that shift manifest for you? So I had a bit of a um, unique insight because I was part of the um, School of Medicine sort of senior executive management team looking at, OK, how do we prepare our students? How do we prepare our um, school for transitioning into lockdown? And it was a bit of a, like a slow burn prior to us actually being evicted from campus, so to speak, um, where we were doing a bit of planning um, as to how we would take this forward. So... Um, I think having been involved in that, um, in in terms of how we were going to get the programs online, student support online, it was almost kind of like a distraction from what was going on in the outside world. So it was a bit of a, oh my goodness, this is really serious stuff that sort of seemed to be building, you know, sort of like on a daily basis. But because I was like literally rolling my sleeves up um, and getting into the thick of it in terms of um, sorting things out from a school perspective. And I think for me, it really hit me when we were actually formally evicted from campus. Mm-hmm. And it's then it really hit home the kind of enormity of what COVID-19 actually meant um, in terms of a professional perspective, but also a personal perspective. Sure. It must be very symbolic, sort of having to leave leave campus and leave the office and go home. And- yeah. So I was um so there's a number of colleagues um in eight zero one in Worsley. So we'd gone in and we kind of knew that was gonna be our last day. So it, literally we felt like burglars because we were like picking up textbooks, equipment, <laughs> you know, to sort of um sort of set up base camp at home for work. And we were sort of saying goodbye to each other. And we knew that we weren't going to see each other for a while, but I don't think we really knew the extent of how long that you know this would last. It was almost kind of like a bit of a temporary um, eviction. Um, At the time, little did we know it would be you know sort of about eighteen months down the line. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, there's just I think when when it all started happening, then everyone assumed it would maybe just be for a few weeks. If if you knew that it was, I mean, we're recording this now in June 2021, and 
and uh, you know, only recently have the restrictions been changed. It's uh, it must have been a crazy time because we've never seen anything like this in our lives before. Uh, I suppose there's never been any other situation where you've had to dramatically shift the the way that you've been doing your work. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for me as well, it was a good insight in terms of crisis planning. Mm-hmm. You know that um, that I was involved with um, as a school, and then so so it all felt very very reactive. Yeah, obviously it was you know completely unknown to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this constant reactive crisis planning that kept going for quite a while, uh, and then we were trying to do forward planning for the um, sort of uh, ac- the next academic year, so the one that we've, we're just coming out of now. So. It was, it was um, in a weird kind of way. It was quite exciting to be involved in those kind of things because obviously I'd not been involved in those kind of activities before. But also as well, it was quite frustrating because after a while, when you're constantly crisis planning and being reactive, it becomes very, very frustrating because because you've got students on the end of this and, you know, students are constantly wanting to know what's happening next. Mm. And obviously we, you know, we didn't have crystal walls and there's only so many times you could say, oh, let's wait and see what Boris says to everything. Yeah, um, sure. And I think that the fact that also as well, this was also driven by government guidance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was almost kind of like just waiting for the sort of latest information and the latest guidance to sort of drip down, Yeah, um, which would, could be frustrating as well. Yeah, difficult. And I suppose the with your colleagues, the pressure that you're working in trying to do all of this sort of crisis planning, it's, it's unprecedented um, skill set, really, working in, in that kind of pressure in many ways. Um, how did it affect the, the team dynamics? So once again, I mean, it's a very, as you say, it's a very pressured situation. But added to that, we end, we started off doing it face to face before you know we had to leave campus but then we were doing this virtually which made it even more challenging because the fact you kind of like feed off each other in terms of you know that's the body language the support you know that goes with it but when you start doing it virtually mm-hmm. um it, that was quite challenging and on top of that having to learn how to use these new platforms in terms you know to communicate uh, and um engage with each other so there was an awful lot going on. It's almost kind of like, let's throw everything into the melting pot and, you know, light the fuse and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of impact on us as a team, I think early doors, it really was, you know, we're all in this together. We all had this common common um, aim um, of what we were doing, and that is to, you know, steer our students through all of this um steer our program teams through all of it so once again i think because of the fact we were so focused on you know on, on what our um our end game was it almost kind of like distracted from um the sort of the the associated challenges and i think the longer it went on so uh, uh, a weird thing that was going on um, last summer was, you know, we were constantly being saying, you must take your annual leave. You must make sure you take your annual leave. Rest is important. But the irony of it was there just wasn't time to take to do that because of the fact that we were so busy trying to, you know, respond uh, and support students and support our programmes. Sure, sure. And and in your role as the the director for student education you do um a lot of close work with the the reps from various different undergraduate courses is that right i do yeah and what was the 
uh, the sort of initial student response when everyone's being told learning is going to be switched to online, this is what's going on. How did the students find that initially? This is where um, I see, I saw my students or our students in a different light and just how responsive, resilient they are. Um, because in normal circumstances, if you were to say, you know, last minute, right, we're going to have to make these major changes, then students could be quite um, apprehensive about it and sort of quite um, uh, nervous and, um, you know, having second thoughts about having to make these changes. But they were, they were so responsive and supportive um, of everything that was going on. And it was just, it was brilliant. It's almost like they they read the room. They you know it's almost kind of like honestly turn your TV screens on, look what's going on in the outside world, mm-hmm. and they really kind of understood why it was that we were we were having to you know sort of make these key changes. Um, and our student reps and all of our students worked absolutely brilliantly with us. They engaged with us. They you know they were they cooperated with us. Um, quite soon after we went into lockdown. Um, uh, the school put together um, a, a COVID student forum. So we met every two weeks. It gave us an opportunity, senior members of the school, to meet with our student reps and, you know, always have a constant update of, you know, what, what their key issues were. Um, once again, our student reps stepped up. They were professional about it. Um, I think initially there was this concern it would just be a constant soapbox with students, you know, complaining and, and airing concerns and what have you. But if anything, they just they were brilliant. They they shared concerns. Um, they shared um, sort of student concerns and and issues, but they did it in a a professional manner. Mm. Uh, and they were very kind of like collaborative with us. So, I, you know, our students were key really to helping this be a success. Um, and, you know, for me, in my role, I thought it, once again, it reaffirmed I'm in the right place, I'm in the right role. Um, working with students in this particular way just really kind of like makes my day. That's very interesting. I, I suppose in some ways, would you say that the communication between uh, staff and students had probably increased based on this event as, as opposed to when you were doing sort of face-to-face teaching before COVID? Very much so. I would say, um, particularly with our student reps, um, they, they, there were more meetings, more opportunities for us to actually engage with our students. Mm. Um, I think early doors, it, it was very much, you know, um, it was necessary um, because once again, you know, things were changing on such a kind of rapid basis. It was it was really important that we were working with our student reps to sort of help make those changes be as smooth as uh, as possible for the mm-hmm. student body. Um, and then once we kind of all settled, I say settled, once we all settled into lockdown and we sort of became more settled with the new way of um, learning online, then these student meetings. We kept, we kept them going, um, so it wasn't as much firefighting, but it was a really good opportunity for us to sort of still keep tabs on the student community. Um, and that's when we started to sort of hear things about, um, you know, sort of student mental health, student wellbeing, mm-hmm. and how this situation was starting to impact that. Do you have any examples of the, the impact on student welfare as a result of this? Um, I've got one hot off the press. Um, so... So for myself, um, so one of the, my key um, passions 
um, as a as a lecturer, but also in my role as director of student education, and that's um, student support, which I think is really important for our students in healthcare because you know they see things, they do things um, compared to uh, other university students that they don't have to experience. Um, so I felt that the student the teaching transitioned to online quite effectively, albeit you know a lot of us as tutors were winging it. Um, learning the new platforms. I mean, I threw myself out of my virtual lecture classroom a couple of times. And I didn't even realise until someone had put on the chat bar, where's Michelle gone? And I'm thinking, I'm here. And they realised I'd actually thrown myself out of the room. So that element of it, I think, worked well. Yeah. What did get impacted was student support. And um, despite the fact that, you know, all of us were saying we're on the end of an email, we're on the end of um, Microsoft Teams, just, you know, keep in touch with us, let us know if you need to talk or get in touch, you know, we're there. But student support became very perfunctory. Mm -hmm. Um, You didn't get those um, impromptu um, catch-ups at the end of a a lecture on campus. You didn't get that, um, those intuitive um kind of interactions that you have with your students so you you know you'd be you'd be in a lecture and say so so for example you might be in my lecture and I might think Joe Joe looks a bit out of sorts or you know you get in those spidey vibes that maybe not all is quite right about you so that for me is an opportunity at the end of the session I'd come over and just you know check in with you which obviously you don't do that I think it really um came to light this uh, this Monday so I said I'd been on campus for the first time mm-hmm. and we met our second year um, PA students um, and that's the first time we'd seen them since March 2020 um, and once again you know we're very in a very proactive team we're a very supportive team but it really hit home how much our students had struggled um, and particularly at this time of year, you know, they're about to do their final. So there's that natural stress and anxiety around that. Mm-hmm. But it was, it really hit home how some of our students had almost become broken mm-hmm. because of the fact that that intuitive, that human interactive support just wasn't there. And so for me going forwards, it made me think, you know, as a, as an individual, um, as a, a tutor, for me, you know, face-to-face opportunities going forwards really does need to be prioritised with student support. Sure. Teaching, you know, can happen, is happening, you know, quite nicely now. It's transitioned to, to online quite nicely. But student support, I think, you know, we really do need to prioritise that in terms of face-to-face. Yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting point because there's something um, – there's something quite difficult, I suppose, about if, if there's a student having a welfare problem for them to compose an email, have to summarise exactly what's going on into a brief email to a supervisor. That seems like more of a big step than just having a chat with someone after a session. Definitely. Um, and I think for someone like me, so I'm a very social, I'm a very sort of tactile, sort of like, you know, personal person. Mm-hmm. And so sort of pre-COVID, if I had a student, you know, who um, was struggling, you know, we'd go and find somewhere, we'd go and find an office or we'd go and find somewhere um, to 
to discuss what's going on and I'd be arming myself with a coffee I'd be arming you know for myself and the student I'd be arming myself with tissues and when you've got a student sat in front of you you know on a monitor and you can see them you know really struggling and they're in tears that for me was really hard and it was really hard not to sort of like beat myself up in terms of not being able to support that student yeah um, but what it did make me do as DSE um, is to find out, you know, what um, what resources were available for us as tutors to be able to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I found out that there was there were a couple of rooms around campus that we were able to book um prioritise booking if we were wanting to do face-to-face meetings with students and it was in relation to kind of like student welfare. Oh, brilliant. So, so they allowed a, a limited amount of face-to-face contact um, during lockdown if, if it was from a welfare point of view. They did, yeah. And once again, I wouldn't have found out about that if it wasn't, you know, for my role in DSC. And, and I'd be sort of sat on various faculty meetings and a couple of university forums saying this is not right this is not fair and it's almost kind of like oh by the way you know there we do have access to these rooms of course then I just cascaded that to you know to colleagues and and program teams that's really useful because I suppose there's been there's been a lot of pros and cons of of the remote learning and, and I suppose there has been a lot of good parts of it but replacing that welfare contact and picking up on the sort of cues if you're in a room with someone face to face I mean do you think there's any way of replacing that online or do you think that is just something that has to be done effectively uh, in person I think it's it'd be very challenging to to replace that um online mm. um primarily because uh, I don't know if you've done any um face to face teaching or been involved in any sort of like, um face to uh, uh so if you've done any um, online activities, mm-hmm. but for us and our uh, a majority of students don't have their cameras on. So, yeah. you know, so, you, so straight away, you know, that you can't actually see them anyway. It's um, really difficult. It's it, really it, difficult. I, it, I did a session online uh, on Teams a few weeks ago, like a revision session for some medical students and getting no feedback at all when you just sort of sat there in your in your spare room is is very bizarre very hard to to it's quite hard to stay enthusiastic i've found as well because you're getting no response you don't know how people are taking it and um it's uh, it's really difficult i suppose one one of the good things is you've got no idea how many people you're speaking to you could be speaking to 10 or 200 um but but there's lots of lots of downsides and from your point of view, if the cameras are off and you can't see the students, do you know how it's impacted their education? Is there a particular type of student who you think may have may have thrived from the, the remote online learning and, and some people who maybe have struggled with it a bit more? It's difficult to tell. Um, I think there were there are some aspects where um, some students felt braver in terms of engagement and interaction. So the chat bar that you have with them um, ms teams proved to be really really good um you know the interactions the comments and um, that we were getting from students in the chat bar actually worked really well so it's almost kind of like you know they the um 
the lack of judgment, the lack of, you know, sort of in the face-to-face lecture room, sort of saying what you think and getting it wrong in front of everyone doesn't quite, it's not quite the same if you're just putting it, you know, in a chat bar. So I did find that that engagement and interaction worked really well. Um, In terms of, you know, as a tutor trying to think, have they got this or not? That's really difficult because once again, if you're in a in a um, in a lecture theatre doing face to face delivery and you see this sea of faces looking really puzzled and confused, then that's when you say to yourself, "Right, Michelle, um, I need to explain this in a different way." Whereas once again, you can't always get that um, virtually. Yes, yeah, it's. Um, I think that is that's probably one of the main main challenges in, in terms of going forward. Is there anything in particular, let's say in three months time, everything's completely back to normal face-to-face teaching again. Is there anything uh, from how you've adapted in the pandemic that you would carry forward into teaching post-pandemic? For example, would you encourage more online learning and less less face-to-face learning in some circumstances? I think for me, um, it's thinking about um, purpose of my teaching it's thinking about the purpose of student education it's thinking about the purpose of student learning so I'm actually quite excited about thinking about the hybrid delivery of student education so things like you know sort of a key lecture it makes sense to sort of do that virtually you know it's literally information given and also the university is very keen to move away from didactic teaching sure so it's very much you know get the key information out there but then bring them in face to face to do the you know smaller group work tutorial seminars to start picking their brains about you know their understanding and application to their particular um clinical practice so that element of it um, actually quite excites me so yeah. it's, um, and I think it, it's good f- um, for me as well as a tutor because I've I mean you, you established earlier on that I've been at the university since 1999 so as a tutor you can get pretty much set in your ways sure. so this is a really nice opportunity for me to almost kind of like learn new skills learn new approaches yeah um, which I think is really exciting and um, it's going to be a lot of lot of work because it's almost kind of like, got to, you know, we've got to start from scratch about, okay, what key resources do I need to, to do pre-recording, you know, all, and you have to be far more organised. Sure. Um, but even with that, I found it quite exciting. So I've been thinking about, you know, right, key themes. What's a key theme that I'm teaching on this particular module and putting together the resources for that key theme and um, making it really explicit to the students, right, this is where you're going to learn this or this is where we're going to cover this learning outcome. This is where we're going to cover, you know, other learning outcomes. So I think um, it's going to make us more organised, but I think it's going to make teaching and learning more meaningful as well. Sure, sure. I suppose it's it's a very good point that some people have been doing this for a very long time and perhaps there's not been a lot of change and and variety in how content has been delivered. So it's nice having a sort of reset button to to launch all of this. Oh, very much. I mean, we were forced to learn, you know, new technology. We were forced to learn how to use, um, you know, different platforms. I have to confess, you know, I'm... um, use MS Teams, Microsoft Teams, but Blackboard um, Collaborate Ultra is like the dark arts to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm quite happy to leave that, but it's good that we've got that choice. Yeah, sure, sure. 
And is there anything looking back at, at, um, at how you've had to change all of the, the education delivery for students? Is there anything in particular that you do differently? Um, differently as a result of working yeah, online. Just, just sort of with, with retrospect, is there anything that you'd change and, and would, do, would do differently? So one of the key things that I did introduce just to sort of make um, life a little bit more interesting, and that was at the start of each session that I did, um, I used to try and find a track, a, mu- a, a song um, that would reflect what it was that we were covering for that particular session. So, um, and I think at first my students were like, oh my God, Michelle, what are you doing? Um, which was particularly interesting with my paediatric module because it just gave me absolute, you know, remit <laughs> of finding lots of nursery rhymes and very yeah. annoying kids' songs. But after a while, um, the students really enjoyed it and it's almost yeah. kind of like, it's almost like, what's she going to play this week type of thing? <laughs> so I think it's just thinking about, for me, it's thinking about engagement and interaction with your students. And yeah, there is that that formality of teaching but actually you know working towards making student education fun as well but not just for the student but for me as a tutor Mm -hmm. yeah sure and we've we've talked a lot about your your role as an educator um during the pandemic you mentioned before that everyone was being encouraged to take annual leave but realistically you're so busy that it was hard to do that how have you personally coped with the the pressure of everything that's been going on? Because uh, for people like yourself who've been working at probably a, a much, much um, higher intensity than you would have been pre-pandemic, what, did you have any sort of coping strategies in particular that helped you? So one of the key things that's come out of this is because I am at home all the time, um, so I, my cooking skills have been polished. Um, we no longer have you know, bung it in the oven or bung it in the microwave meal. So home cooking has is been um, therapy. And it's been interesting because um, I've got a teenage son and um, he asked that we have at least two vegetarian meals a week. Oh, so it's been really good to sort of like try and source interesting recipes and what have you. Um, so cooking has become um, therapy. Um, I've got a dog, black Labrador called Obi. So in, nice. um, going out and taking, you know, the dog for a walk every day, you have to do it. Otherwise, you have, you've got a dog who has cabin fever and that's not very funny. Um, but what it has meant is it's just made me more mindful of where I live and just sort of taking everything around me. Um, I'm very lucky. I live in, you know, absolutely gorgeous countryside. Um, so I've, um, I do mindful walking you know, just sort of taking in everything around me, the views. So an example is um, last weekend um, we did a walk that we do regularly um, and it really hit me how I've noticed how it changes throughout the seasons. So, you know, in winter, I I hate this particular walk because it's so muddy and boggy and not much fun. But then you see it coming through into spring and the bright yellow rapeseed just explodes on the scene. And then we went last week it changed once again and it was just this kind of swathe of um daisies and poppies yeah and so that just sort of made me sort of very um kind of like grateful really about you know what i do have um pandemic has impacted us uh, impacted on us 
considerably, you know, individually and as a family. Mm. But it does make you sort of sit back and think, actually, I'm really lucky with what I have. I'm really lucky with where I live. I'm lucky that I had a job that could transition into the virtual environment. A lot of people didn't have that that opportunity. Um, So there was um, that side of things just sort of made me more mindful and grateful. Sure. Um, the flip side was um, I found out about myself is um, I'm very much a social person, you know, and so I thrive on company. I thrive on human interactions. Yeah. Um, so being on my own all the time, you know, that did impact me. Yeah. And that very, very hard. Sure, sure, I can imagine. And I, I think what you're saying about mindfulness, it's, it's brilliant how many people I've spoken to who've sort of, they've either um, – they've increased their sort of awareness of mindfulness or they've just discovered it for the first time during lockdown. And in some ways, I think it's given people a lot of good strategies for um, coping with uh, pressure and stress going forward. This, this pandemic, I, I hope that people, um, you know, for example, myself, I'm, I'm spending a lot more time outside walking and, um, and cycling. And these are things that I'm hoping that I'll be able to carry forward, you know, when the pandemic is over and we've just got the the regular stresses of uh, of work and life. And uh, I think it's been a good sort of sort of training course, really, to help us gain some of these skills. Oh, for sure. I think some of the things, so many things that you know I take for granted, I just don't now. Um, you know, and it's just like the little things. Like um, I, I love shoes. You know, if you ask anyone about me, it's like I love my shoes. But because I've not been going anywhere for the past 18 months, you know, things like buying shoes, buying clothes, all that kind of thing just hasn't been a feature. And it does sort of make you sit back early doors. I was like, oh, I really miss that. But actually, it's almost kind of like, well, actually, no, I don't really need lots and lots and lots of pairs of shoes. I don't really need, you know, massive bulging wardrobe when I've had a, you know, capsule wardrobe of jeans, leggings and (laughs) for the past 18 months type thing so I think it does it has helped me sort of reflect on you know sort of material uh, material gains in life yeah yeah. but what it has made me do so whilst I'm not spending money on shoes I'm spending it elsewhere now so (laughs) I picked up um, a new hobby of astronomy oh wow so once again you know I live in the ideal environment where I can go outside um, and you know, look at the stars and constellations, and wow. and so I've picked up that new interest as well. Wow, very nice. I, I mean, that's that's quite a cool hobby to get from from lockdown. It is. It we, is. Um, I think on the note of of clothes and stuff, I have absolutely loved just wearing scrubs at work every day. I've not had to iron anything properly for the best part of years <laughs> now, and it's it's just so nice. And scrubs are so comfortable. Everyone was complaining about it at first, but. What a nice, uh, a nice thing that's been. Yeah. Um, so, Michelle, in terms of your um, your students who may be listening to this, well, hopefully, you know, vaccination has has uh, really had a great uptake, and there's only a small amount of the UK population waiting to have their their vaccine left now. So, hopefully, we're we're nearly out of the woods. Do you have any advice for your um, your students just for the remainder of of uh, of lockdown and before things open up properly again face to face? First of all, I would say um, give yourself huge credit about how they have coped with lockdown. Um, 
in which, with whichever manner that they've coped, um, huge credit to them. You know, they're an absolute credit to our programs, our school, and our community um, in terms of how they've kind of like <laughs> winged it with us. You know, they've worked with us, they've not moaned or anything. So credit to themselves um, for having got this far. Um, if any of them have been struggling and found it really hard, you know, they're not on their own. Um, I would encourage them to keep reaching out for help, for support, whether it's from um, the programme teams, us and the school, or, you know, the university has responded absolutely brilliantly and put on lots of resources. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not a stigma to have struggled through all of this because we've sure. all struggled in some way, shape or form. So, you know, do make sure that um, they get themselves the right support and help. Um, in terms of going forwards, you know, there's been a lot of planning about um, potential face-to-face -face return to campus. And, you know, some of us are really giddy and excited about it. I am, you know, I'm really looking forward to it, but I am aware of the fact that some of us are apprehensive about it. Sure. So if, you know, if we are apprehensive, once again, you know, get together with your personal tutor, speak to someone about what those apprehensions are um, and, you know, how we can, you know, put things in place going forward. And I think ultimately the, the reassurance that, um, you know, all of their programme teams are working on a hybrid delivery. So there is an understanding and an acknowledgement that some of us thrive in um, our home environment in terms of learning. Some of us thrive on coming in onto campus and being in the academic environment. And, you know, this has been a really good opportunity to try and, you know, sort of create different environments for all of our students to thrive in and be comfortable in. So, you know, once again, just be upfront and let us know, you know, what works best for you and, um, and we'll work with you on it. That's brilliant. Michelle, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for um, for letting me waffle on for half an hour. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. If any listeners feel affected by the discussions on the podcast, they're advised to visit the University of Leeds Mental Health Support Area, Student Support or their own GP. Please be aware that Humans of Healthcare is not a substitute for professional counselling support. You can follow us on Facebook, Humans of Healthcare Leeds Podcast, Instagram, Humans of Healthcare Podcast, or Twitter, at Humans of Health P. We are always looking to get more students, staff in healthcare onto the show to talk about their experiences. If you'd like to be a guest, please submit some bullet-pointed key messages of your story to humansofhealthcare at leeds.ac.uk. The show was recorded and edited by Dan Myers in MTC Studios. <laughs>